Hi, everyone. My name is Jonathan Fries, and you are listening to season seven of What the Flock. This season, our goal is to carefully approach some very serious and often polarizing topics. The issues we're going to focus on have and continue to cause so much damage, people seem unable to civilly discuss these topics. The episodes in this season will give you the tools you need to facilitate your ability to talk about these topics in a beneficial manner. I'm joined by my co-host, Joel Swakowski. How you doing, Joel? I'm great. Thank you. How are you? Excellent. Glad to be here again. Season 7, episode 13. Yeah, it's been a great season, hasn't it? I'm enjoying it yeah. immensely. Here's a disclaimer, everybody. The seriousness of these issues often results in people not hearing both sides before judging the issue. With that said, we encourage you to be careful sharing anything from these episodes with other people without first encouraging them to hear the entire episode for themselves. Also, in addition to listening to the entire episode for yourself, we highly recommend listening to any previous episodes that are referenced during this episode. I agree. Now, these are all topics that have been debated at length. The reason they have and continue to be debated is because traditional debates do not work. Those types of debates pit two sides against each other, and each side becomes more concerned with trying to prove their own point, often becoming overly emotional about the topic and even triggering themselves and others. Furthermore, instead of trying to learn something new and find out how they could be wrong, when it comes to these topics in particular, people seem to want to root themselves deeper into what they already believe. Right. We saw from the first six seasons that each issue has two perspectives that distract people from the ultimate answer. So these sides are the strict and the loose side of the argument. Joel, can you give us an overview of the strict and loose sides? Yes, sir. The strict side invites and initiates conflict on these topics. This side tends to be a bully using intimidation as a tactic to control people. They hold people to strict standards in which they rationalize away any need they would have to hold themselves to that same standard. And these people then become hypocrites like the Pharisees when they are confronted and their response to that confrontation is to justify themselves and why they can hold others to a higher standard than they hold themselves to. The loose side avoids conflict and tension as much as possible. The standards they hold themselves to are based on how they and others feel, which leaves them with no objective measure for what the moral, the right and just, the truth answer is. This side tends to be an enabler, removing any discomfort brought on by confrontation. And these people show they don't actually care for others when they avoid confronting people who are in pain for their own benefit. Nice. Thank you, Joel. So we either have bullying tendencies or enabling tendencies. Those are the two sides that we're talking about. Now, the number one technique we're going to use throughout the season is to repeat back to the opposing side what they believe to their satisfaction before making our point. So it's the only way 
to have a profitable interaction because it causes people to listen to the other side once they know they've been heard. You don't need to yell and scream at someone if they hear you. Right. De- debating would actually be a benefit if seeking first to understand was the guiding principle that the that the debating mediators followed. And that's what we were essentially trying to do in season seven is help all of you become an excellent mediator. That's why we will focus on seeking first to understand. Now, with all of that, thank you again, Joel, for setting that foundation. Now that we have it all laid, now let's approach the topic. And what is the topic we're discussing today? Today's topic is criminals. Criminals. Great. What is the strict side of this topic? The strict side is justice. Everyone has to pay for what they've done. Okay. So allow me to repeat that perspective back to you. The strict side believes justice. Everyone has to pay. That's that's for what they've done. Yeah. You've done it. You pay for it. Justice. Do I do I understand you? Yes, you do. I feel hurt. Thank you. Amazing. What is the loose side of the topic? Loose side is mercy. Everyone makes mistakes. Allow me to repeat that back to you to your satisfaction. The loose side believes mercy. Yeah. We all make mistakes. <laughs> right? Yep. Nailed okay. it. Okay. You got it? Yeah. Do I understand? I, Perfect. I feel yeah, I feel understood. Yeah. So we either have both sides together. Justice is the strict side. Mercy is the loose side. So efficient and effective, isn't it? That's amazing. Yeah. Okay, now let's get into arguing for the strict side, Joel. So how would you argue for it if you were on that side? If I was on that side, I would say without justice... People will get hurt and do more damage taking out their own revenge. Now, again, also from the strict side against the loose, I would say if you don't punish, then there is no deterrent to crime. And I would ask someone from the strict side to the loose side, do you disagree with an eye for an eye? Do you disagree with the Old Testament? Huh. And how would you argue for the loose side? If you're on the loose side, what is that argument? For the loose, I would say, if I want mercy, then I need to extend it to others. Jesus said the merciful will receive mercy from him. What I'd say on the loose side against the strict is the soul is the most important thing. And we need to give the person as much time as they need to get right with God. And then a question from the loose side to the strict side is, do you disagree with Jesus when he said to forgive your enemies? Do you disagree with the new Testament? Excellent. Well, I like, I like how this is shaken out. This is right. Yeah. Okay, well, I'm tired of hearing these two sides scream at each other, Joel. (laughs) Yeah, okay. Can you give us the ultimate answer that both sides will look at us and go and scream at us? Uh, Yeah, (laughs) 
yeah. <laughs> the, both sides will scream at the ultimate answer. At the ultimate answer. Uh, yeah. Well, big picture, our ultimate answer is leadership, grace, and love with an emphasis on Paul's approach as we shared in the season seven supplementary episode. Please listen to it if you have not. In summary, we need to know whether we are talking to a believer or an unbeliever. We need to know whether we are talking to someone who is strong in the faith or weak in the faith. We don't want to cause a believer to stumble, and we want to reach the unbeliever for God. The leadership part of this looks like seeking to understand the other person's perspective. I can facilitate the purpose and progress of another person by hearing them. We can start in this topic by making sure we understand each other's definitions of the key words we're using. In this topic, crime, justice, mercy, forgiveness, love, etc. The grace and love principles look like ultimately when interacting with either side, taking direction from God via grace in order to love them. Grace and love are key to avoiding enabling, loose side, and key to avoiding judging or bullying, like the strict side, the other person with the hopes of winning or edifying them. So with the grace and love principles, we recommend listening to season two, episode 13, and season one, episode 15, respectively. Now, when it comes to the specific topic of criminals, I'd like to offer you a perspective you may not have thought of. First, let's define the term. A criminal is a person who's committed a crime. A crime is an action that breaks a law. So you can say a criminal is someone who has broken a law. Now, let's take a step back. Many of you may hear the term criminal and immediately think of the laws of the region or the land in which you live, the laws of your own country. To better understand this topic, we will first look at the differences between the Old and the New Testament. So we're going to go a lot bigger picture and further back than the laws of the country in which you live. Great. Now, remember, a criminal is most simply defined as someone who's broke the law. The Old Testament is based on laws. A law tells you what not to do and promises a punishment. If laws are wrong, then why do governments run on why do governments today run on laws? Well, what's the alternative? Principles. A principle tells you what to do and promises a reward. Not only are people unaware of what a principle is, they wrongly think there are no principles in the Old Testament. Now, what would you say if I told you that within the Ten Commandments, there was a principle? Would you know which one it was? Mm, Good test. Yeah. Yeah. Furthermore, what would you say if I told you that Paul taught this very point in his letter to the Ephesians? Oh, now we brought the New Testament into the mix, huh? Hmm. Hmm. Chapter six of the letter to the Ephesians begins with this. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise, that it may be well with you and you may live long on the earth. 
So a principal tells you what to do, honor your mother and father, and promises a reward. It'll be well with you and you'll live long. Now back to laws. Do they work? Well, it depends on how you measure that or what the objective is. If the, if the objective is to remove the offender of the law, then laws can work. If the objective is to help people be good, then they do not work. Why? Because laws do not show you how to be good. It only tells you a don't do. And we know you can't do a don't. There's also a worse issue. Animal trainers know the way to train an animal is to be immediate and consistent with the punishment or reward. They deliver the punishment or reward within a five-second window after the behavior, and when they do it enough times consistently, the animal is trained. This is animals, though. Mm -hmm. We are humans. What happens with humans? Johnny pulls a girl's hair at school every day for 15 days and gets caught on the 15th day. When he gets punished, why does he think he got punished? He doesn't think it was for the bad behavior because he did it 14 times without getting caught. He thinks it's because he got caught. So how is Johnny going to respond? What behavior will he work on? He will work on not getting caught, which is the same as the criminal mentality. So actually, with using this method... We just helped Johnny take the first step on the road to being a criminal. Now, there was also a study done, a 50-year study, on spanking, where people who were and weren't spanked were followed for 50 years, which included following their children and their grandchildren. At the end of the study... There were three conclusions. People who were consistently spanked were more likely to, one, be physically abused and physically abuse others, two, have a bad thought process, and three, become criminals. Okay, but God used the law. So it can't be all bad, right? Right. Well, what was God's goal or God's objective? Well, guess who can tell us? The Apostle Paul. In Romans 7, 5 through 20, he said the following. For when we were in the flesh, the sinful passions, which were aroused by the law, were at work in our members to bear fruit to death. But now we have been delivered from the law having died to what we were held by, so that we should serve in the newness of the spirit and not in the oldness of the letter. 7. What shall we say then? Is the law sin? Certainly not. On the contrary, I would not have known sin except through the law, for I would not have known covetousness unless the law had said, you shall not covet. But sin, 
taking opportunity by the commandment, produced in me all manner of evil desire. For apart from the law, sin was dead. I was alive once without the law. But when the commandment came, sin revived and I died. And the commandment, which was to bring life, I found to bring death. For sin, taking occasion by the commandment, deceived me, and by it killed me. Therefore the law is holy, and the commandment holy and just and good. Pause there for a second. Verse 12 just said, Therefore the law is holy, and the commandment is holy and just and good. The law in and of itself is holy and good. Hmm. God declares that through Paul. Hmm. Verse 13 through 20. Has then what is good become death to me? Certainly not. But sin that it might appear sin was producing death in me through what is good so that sin through the commandment might become exceedingly sinful. For we know that the law is spiritual, but I am carnal, sold under sin. For what am I doing I do not understand. For what I will to do, that I do not practice. But what I hate, that I do. If then I do what I will not to do, I agree with the law that it is good. But now it is no longer I who do it, but the sin that dwells in me. For I know that in me, that is, in my flesh, lies no good thing. For to will is present with me, but how to perform what is good I do not find. For the good that I will to do, I do not do. But the evil I will not to do, that I practice. Now, if I do what I will not to do, it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells in me. Thank you, Apostle Paul. What we see here is the goal or the objective of the law was to point out sin so it could be dealt with which was also covered in the Old Testament. So that's God's goal here. Let's point out sin so we can deal with it. If you break a law, it's not God's fault for making the law. It's the sin in us. It's the flesh within us. But the real difference between the Old Testament and the New Testament is in the Old Testament, they were talking to people in the community, believers. They made sure justice and repentance happened as soon as possible so that people didn't lose their spiritual value in eternity. The mentality was, hey, let's make sure we make up for any injustices now so that they don't follow us long term. The difference in the New Testament is Jesus opened this up to dealing with people outside of the community of believers. Jesus didn't contradict the Old Testament because he did say the same thing when it came to people in community. He did want people in community to make up for injustices as soon as possible. So let's look at some examples. To those in community, you could look at Luke 17, 3 and 4. It says, take heed to yourselves. If your brother sins against you, rebuke him. 
And if he repents, forgive him. And if he sins against you seven times in a day and seven times in a day returns to you saying, I repent, you shall forgive him. Again, this was to those in community. Essentially, Jesus is saying, confront and give the believer a chance to repent. We do not want to enable him. Now, another one to those in community, you could look at Matthew 18, 15 through 17, again from Jesus. Moreover, if your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. If he hears you, you have gained your brother. But if he will not hear, take with you one or two, that by the mouth of two or three witnesses every word may be established. And if he refuses to hear them, tell it to the church. But if he refuses even to hear the church, let him be to you like a heathen and a tax collector. Again, this was to those in community. Essentially saying if he's done something wrong, if he won't even hear, if he doesn't repent, he's put out of the community. He's proven to be actually an unbeliever. Matthew 5, 38 through 40 is to a person outside the community. So here's what Jesus is saying. You have heard that it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth, but I tell you not to resist an evil person. But whoever slaps you in your right cheek, turn the other to him also. If anyone wants to sue you and take away your tunic, let him have your cloak also. Again, to the person outside of the community, it is said, forgive immediately. Wow. So check out. The Mercy episode, season four, episode 10. The Confrontation episode, season four, episode 11. And the Repentance episode, season two, episode nine, in which we cover all of those verses in other ways and and deal with these doctrine that'll help you understand this better. But ultimately, what is the guiding principle that unites the Old and New Testaments? Kind of goes back to what Jesus's answer was to the greatest commandment or what we would even say is how do you define the law of Christ right. it comes down to love. This is what we said in our ultimate answer. And Paul's example covering eating meat sacrifice to idols is the same approach Jesus used to deal with people sinning regardless of the context. So how does God want to reach us now? He doesn't want us to use laws from the Bible. He wants to tell us what to do by the indwelling Holy Spirit, which is grace and would not contradict the doctrine underlying the law. So let me give you a simple illustration to summarize the difference between laws and principles. If a child is jumping on a chair, what does the average parent say? Stop it. Stop jumping on the chair. That is a law. What does the child do next? They begin kicking the chair, punching the chair. What does the parent say? Stop it. Stop kicking the chair. Notice who's bearing the burden in this exchange. The parent is. The parent is going to have to keep coming up with laws and watch to see if the child is obeying. No wonder parents get worn out. If the parent approached this with a principle, they would say, son or daughter, treat the chair nice. Because if we have to buy a new chair, we won't have money to sign you up for football or to go to an amusement park or do fun things like that. 
Now who bears the burden? The child does. The child has to determine what treating the chair nice means. Nice. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Now, one final point about the inadequacy of laws. When someone is found guilty and sent to prison, when they have served their time and come out of prison, how do people treat them? Like we could say largely they're treated badly. They're treated like criminals, right? Right. In quotes. Yep. Isn't that unjust? I mean, they've served their time to equal out the, the justice against them. Why are people being unjust to them? It appears the law wasn't enough. We have actually helped people who have come out of prison gain exponential amounts of spiritual value from everyone who has been unjust to them by teaching the quote criminal or the person who was released from prison, how to forgive, which we covered season two, episode 10 forgiveness. If you treat a person badly who has served their time, then you are unjust and proving you don't believe laws by themselves are adequate. Now, we know a criminal is simply defined as a person who has broken the law. Final two questions for you. Who hasn't broken a law? Now, before you roll your eyes, what about the speed limit? What about a parking ticket? Ooh, that is a law. Even if you weren't caught... And second question, who isn't a criminal in some respect? Wow. That's great, Joel. Thank you. Okay, I want to repeat back to you the the ultimate answer here. Let everybody, everybody absorb this incredible information. Now, ultimately, what we're learning in this season is love, leadership, and grace. We need to step back and understand who we're talking to. When we're interacting with either side, the person ought to lead the other person by taking direction from God via grace in order to love them. And as we've said many times, grace and love are the key to avoiding enabling and the key to avoiding judging the other person with the hopes of winning them. So believer, unbeliever, we want to be in the right spot ready to love, ready to lead, taking direction from God. Now, as we approach the topic of criminals, it becomes very clear when we look at the Old Testament versus the New Testament. And generally speaking, so I I get that there are different, you know, different um, instances where this doesn't apply. But generally speaking, the Old Testament approached people with laws, what not to do. That's what a law does. Don't do this. If you do that, you're going to get punished. And generally speaking, the New Testament approached people with principles. What to do. So what is the guiding principle that unifies the Old and New Testaments? Love. 
It's the same thing with meat, eating meat sacrificed to idols. What determines how we should interact with this person? There are certain situations where it's appropriate to eat and you're loving someone, not eat and loving someone, but it's love that unifies all of that together. Criminals are people who have broken the law. And it's really important, and I and I really appreciate the definition of that because it does introduce a lot more than people who have got gotten caught, but they are people who break the laws. And the reason this issue is tough to deal with is because of how we approach criminals. And as Christians, we're called to confront believers, extending them mercy and giving them time to repent. They do something wrong. If a believer takes my coat, I should walk up to that believer and go, hey, you you stole from me. Yeah. Or did you steal from me? Yeah. And. As believers in Jesus, we're called to forgive unbelievers instantly. Here, you took my coat, have my shirt as well, right? And what that does is you give God the spiritual value he needs to reach the unbeliever. That's the heaping the hot coals, right? Yeah. On on that unbeliever. And what is so cool about this topic and approaching definitions and really understanding the ultimate answer. Your, your The two questions you asked are excellent. Number one, who hasn't broken a law? I have. So therefore, who isn't a criminal in some respect? Right. Do I understand you, Joel? You do. Thank you. That That was great. I feel heard. Awesome. Well, thank you, Joel. This has been What the Flock. If you'd like a deeper study on this topic and how to deal with people who either bully or enable, according to this topic, listen to the Music of Life Church podcast companion episode. Thanks for listening, everyone. And remember, if you've been hurt by church, you're not alone. We're here for you.